podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. American football is coming to Ireland. Northwestern versus Nebraska at the Aviva Stadium, Dublin, 27th of August, 2022. Good news, that's a Saturday. That means that we are going to be there, the NC Show crew, providing we can get Ollie and Mike through customs. But I'm pretty sure we can. Uh, so we should be there for this in the build-up for the game. It is going to go off. Collegefootballisland.com. That's the website to visit. Uh, register interest. Collegefootballisland.com. Get involved. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombs Show. Shane Vereen in the house. We're going to talk about his winners and losers in free agency, the wide receiver market, the running back market. Talk about diametric opposites right now uh, and maybe get his take on a few more things. So stick around. The brilliant Shane Vereen coming your way. Okay, Shane Vereen, I am betting that you are either straight off the fairways into the pod studio or you're <laughs> going to go immediately after we do <laughs> well you know they they opened the course for like two days last week but then we got hit with snow uh last night so ah. so back to square one we oh, go unfortunately snow and golf is not a good combination i guess uh, no. how are you man good to see you how's life everything's going good man everything's going good good to see you again how's everything on your side you know, we are full on. I mean, we were hoping for a little bit of respite. Uh, and of course, as you've probably heard, I'm sure the news has traveled across the pond that Ollie has just been AWOL, frankly, given you know <laughs> his role as the, the brains of the operation, our, our exec producer, sunning himself on a beach, you know, yeah, living I the mean, degenerate lifestyle. It's yeah, he, 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 he gets it. He knows how to live life. Clearly, <laughs> we're secondary, but I understand. Exactly. It's Ollie's world and we're just living in it. Basically. <laughs> uh, but he, we had to call him back. We had to call him back out of uh, his extended holiday because of everything that's been going on yeah. in, in free agency. Is this the craziest free agency window you can remember? It is. Um, and I think like last year and the year before, there were certain teams that made big moves that were surprising. Remember the Patriots? Yeah. They made, they made big moves. Um, and uh, the year before that, um, there, there was teams that, that made big moves, but as, as far as across the board, all 32 teams, um, I think this is the highest percentage that we've seen as far as big moves, quote unquote, big moves um, have, have been considered. We're going to get your top three teams, the teams you think have, have nailed free agency, other than the Jags, who are obviously the de facto, <laughs> de facto <laughs> winner um, in so many ways. We'll get to that in a bit. And I want to talk about the, the, the running back uh, market as well, as somebody who knows all about that, that yeah. game and that position, because that is an uh, interesting old space right now. And not for, not for great reasons, if you are a running back in the NFL, and conversely, it's a good time to be a wide receiver, right? Because you're getting paid yeah. if you're a wide receiver. So we'll drill down into those two skill groups in a, in a little bit more detail. But uh, first things first, I want to lead off with the, the breaking news in, in the last 24 hours anyway, that the NFL is changing the overtime rule. Big news, of course. And, uh, and obviously this is, as we often see in, in the NFL in the offseason, when there has been a particular, particularly significant moment in the season before, that, of course, is front and center in everybody's minds. And, and typically you see a rule change off the back of that. So given the, the way that the Bills Chiefs, one of the great games of our, of our ages, the way that broke down, it was probably inevitable that this was going to happen. So uh, in simple terms, the headline, both teams getting the ball in overtime. So a few years back, it changed where if you didn't get a touchdown, you get a shot. The other team gets a shot because that was used to be crazy town where you could just right, get a couple of right. first downs and, and that's game over. But this is obviously the, the, the biggest step in terms of parity. My favorite quote came from Dion Dawkins, of course, uh, part of that Bills side that was on the wrong side of, of the playoff loss at last season uh this ain't vegas he says we're not at the casino table uh this ain't no 50 50 bet and there ain't even no 50 50 bet i don't really get that one but yeah yeah, yeah I sure that. what do we think uh of this of this move shane you are you a fan was it was it necessary was it necessary i don't i don't i'm not gonna say it was necessary um i think it's a good move i like it um, I really do. I don't know if it was necessarily needed right now. 
Um, I mean, I think this is coming off the tail end of the Chiefs uh, Buffalo Bills playoff matchup that we saw. Um, there was a lot of outcry after that game when Josh Allen didn't get a chance to get the ball back after that remarkable comeback in the fourth quarter that they made. Um, but I, I like it, you know, um, give each ch- team a chance uh, to, to possess the football. And I, I, I like that they're just using it for the postseason. Mm. Um, you know, typically in the NFL, when, when there's big rule changes like this, they're going to try it with a small sample, a.k.a. the playoffs, and see if that's something that they're going to move into the regular season, which I think it will. Um, you know, it's it's giving people more football. Uh, right. You know, you get to see both quarterbacks. You can see both defenses. And what I think it does is it eliminates the the oops from a defense and, and it eliminates, you know, the, the long play because of a coverage break or, or a missed tackle. And it gives the other team a shot to, to come back. And after that, it'll be sudden death. Um, as I've read, I think I'm correct in that. Correct. Each team gets yeah, possession and get then one it, each and then it's sudden death exactly. and then it's sudden death. And I like that. I, I, th- I think that's good. Um, I think it's going to grow the sport. I think it's going to be, make the playoffs even more exciting than they already are. Mm. Well, the, stats wise, quite interesting so the previous overtime rule was put in 2012 right mm. uh and since then the team that wins the coin toss this is uh the guardian reporting this uh yeah. the team that wins the coin toss have won the game half of the time 76 yes. of 152 uh, and both teams have had at least one possession in 82 percent of the games that was interesting i thought that it's that it's pretty much 50 50 despite the team that wins the coin toss Right. Yeah. It's pretty much 50 50. The, the stat that I saw was um, of in the postseason where it has um, where it has really mattered. I, I'm not saying the the the, pre, the uh, preseason or the regular season doesn't matter, but this is when you you stay on the field or go home in the postseason of the 12 times that this has come up. Ten out of those 12, 10 out of those 12 overtime scenarios since the new rule was put in place. Um, the team that won the coin toss won the game. Right. And I think that's the real reason um, why they're putting it in. They're, they're taking it out of out of the hands of a coin flip, yes. uh, you know, and putting it back in the player's control. And I'm all for that. You know, with stats like that, you have obviously been chatting with Dion Dawkins. <laughs> now that's all starting to make sense. Yeah, yeah. As a player, so you, I guess you played, you, you probably crossed over like both eras, right? So the first... The old school, old school, where it was, you know, you score a field goal, you win. And then and then you must have played through the rule change, right? Yeah. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, when I my rookie year, it was whoever scored first, whether it was a touchdown or field goal one. Um, and then my second year, they changed it to if the first team that possesses the balls has a just scores a field goal, then the other team gets the chance. And then in 2017, they, they lowered the time from 15 minutes to 10 minutes. Right. Um, which I was never a big fan of the 10 minute because especially at that time in the game, the defense is a tire. So teams are able to possess the ball longer. They're able to run the football and inevitably take up a large majority of that 10 minutes. If you possess the ball first, right. and that's a huge advantage based off of heads or tails, mm. you know? So that's, that's why I think that it was um, a change that I was excited to see. Um, and I, I think it just, like I said, like I said, it, it puts the control of and the outcome of the most important game of the season in the player's control. Yeah. It feels like the fairest, fairest way forwards. And yeah. you know, maybe this should have happened a few years back. Definitely. And it's a great point you make that it was a, uh, it was inevitable after what we saw in the postseason last year and mm-hmm. 2020 hindsight's a good thing, right? So uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we'll look at this and think, oh, why didn't we do this sooner? But there we go. They're doing it now. So good news. I think all around, speaking of good news all around, let's talk about your winners and losers with this uh, this mad free agency that we, we've been through. So three teams, and look, are you going to power rank them or are you just going to have your top three? I'm just going to have my top three, okay. but do, do you want to start, are, are we starting with good or bad? Are we oh. starting with good, good vibes or bad vibes? Good. I'd like to flip-flop. Can we do like Shane? Yeah, let's flip-flop. Good Shane, bad Shane. We can okay, start. let's do that. Let's, let's start let's, with good. I'm a positive kind of person, so we'll start yeah. with good. So let's let's go with the team that you think has nailed it. So one team that, that I'm really, really excited for uh, this year coming up is, is the Miami Dolphins. Yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah. I think what they have done um, with this new coaching staff, clearly this was a team that was already successful under Brian Flores, um, both defensively, um, offensively, a little bit towards, towards the mid to end of the season, the offense really started to pick up um, with the addition of, with, 
with Waddle and, and not the addition of Waddle, but him just stepping into his own. Mm. Um, but they kept Gasecki. Um, they signed Chase Edmonds, Cedric Wilson. Um, you know, you have Teddy Bridgewater as a nice backup for Tua. Great, great backup. Um, experienced backup. Um, and, I, you know, I know Tua's not going to be a top five quarterback, but he is accurate enough. And when you surround him with Waddle, who's coming into his own, and Tyreek Hill now, and you have Gusecki, and you, so you have players that have that chemistry with them, and then you add the Cheetah. Um, the run game, yeah. I think, is going to come back strong, especially with this new style of offense that they're going to be running. Um, it's going to be a branch off of Kyle Shanahan's offense, um, who runs the ball very successfully, especially in the outside zone scheme. Um, and so I'm really, really excited. Like I said, this defense is already strong enough and they're an aggressive de- style defense. They played. I think it was a crazy number of like 80 percent of their, their defensive snaps under Brian Flores was blitz zero. Mm-hmm. So they're bringing the house and their corners and safeties are one-on-one. Mm-hmm. So to have a season of, of that, and now you can have a, a new defensive strategy, knowing that the players are comfortable in one-on-one positions um, or situations, I should say. Um, I, I'm really excited about this Miami Dolphin team in the AFC East. I am. You have sold me on that. And it is, <laughs> I mean, so interesting, the whole tour situation, because if you, as he so eloquently described, if you think about the fundamentals for a still a young quarterback that you need to build around to give him the best shot, Miami have done them all, right? They've got, yeah. by all accounts, an innovative play caller that is in the uh, in the realm of McVeigh and who, if you look at what he did with Goff, and I'm not necessarily saying that two is ceiling is Jared Goff as an LA Ram, but right. a quarterback that might be limited compared to some of his contemporaries, but can uh, perform above and beyond those limits because of the scheme that he's put in and the innovation and the, the wheeling and dealing around him. And that is underpinned by a really strong ground game, much Miami mm-hmm. haven't had, two hasn't had since he's been there. And it suddenly looks like it's going to be that. And crucially weapons. And we saw that with Buffalo, we saw that with Josh Allen, that you give him digs. Oh, how about that? He's suddenly <laughs> an altogether different level, right? And and yeah. that's exactly what, I don't know, sure, uh, too. I had a, had a some pieces, a big fan of Gasicki. And obviously yeah. there were receivers there that were credible, but it's an altogether different league now. Waddle year two, uh, Tiger yeah. Hill. My God, this Miami team is going to be so watchable. So watchable. Yeah, you got Parker in the slot. I mean, right? you have uh, signed Raheem Mostert, who's got speed. Yeah, the the speed, just the speed, the sheer speed of this offense. And then what do you do to protect to protect the quarterback? You sign Teron Armstead to a five-year, $87.5 million deal. I, I, you know, those moves are significant. Um, there's not a lot. But it's it's extremely significant. You know, Ben Isaac's our friend Ben uh, back in the vault last week. Uh, one of the episodes we did, great stuff from Ben. He made that point that if you were in any doubt that the organization was unsure about Tua, <laughs> you've had yeah. your answer in the last two weeks, right? My God, yeah. investment central. Okay, so good good off season so far for Miami. Let's go bad. Who has who's had a bit of a a bit of a stinker as far as you're concerned? As far as I'm concerned, uh, so I have two teams that, that have been stinkers. And and the difficult part is both of these teams I expect to hopefully be in the playoffs um, and, and make a good playoff run. But I don't think the Packers, mm. I, I, I'm really, I'm, I'm not seeing the Packers, um, I'm not seeing where they're headed. Um, obviously, you signed Aaron Rodgers, which, which. That's big, obviously. Top two, maybe three, uh, depending on who you're talking to, uh, quarterback in the league. Um, but you lose Valdez Scantling. If you, you talk lose- to Aaron Rodgers, you definitely <laughs> you're top two. Yeah, <laughs> I'm hoping he's listening. He's not listening, right? Uh, Valdez Scantling. You lose Devonte Adams. You lose Darius Smith. Um, th- those are big players, and not just big players um, in the. Sp- first, second, third quarter. Those are the players that step up in crunch time. Those are the players that step up um, in the last two minutes of the game. Guys that that are comfortable in uncomfortable situations. Um, you can't just buy that experience. You, you can't just draft that type of experience. That has to be, that's a chemistry. That's, that's Aaron Rodgers knowing where Devontae Adams is going to be no matter what the situation is. That's Zarius Smith knowing the defense so well and knowing when it's time for him to step up and get a sack that's going to help the team win the ball game. Um, and I, I haven't seen them replace those key players really with with much, if I'm being honest. So trying, to, uh, trying to understand that because re-upping Rodgers, which was 
by far from a given, right? You know, I mean, mm-hmm. the, yeah. he's probably been singularly the player we've speculated about the most in the last 18 months. You know, is he staying? Is he retiring? If he does go, he's going to Denver, San Francisco want him and nonstop. I mean, God, do you remember the draft last year? It was just <laughs> Rogers dominated yeah. that whole, the whole narrative to the point yeah. where you had, you know, players like Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson that were not the story, <laughs> you know, going right. To right. All, uh, what's happened with the Rogers. So, yeah. They re-up him, as you say, that's obviously smart business for them. And, and the way they've done it and back-ending the deal makes a lot of sense. And then we're all head-scratching, well, they've let Adams go. Like that, this whole yeah. last dance, Jordan Pippin, I don't quite understand what's happened there. Yeah. And then Valder Scantling as well. Right. And maybe because of the timing of both of those deals, but suddenly looking around and a lot of these big receivers are already off the off the table, right? So have the have exactly. the Packers been caught short here? Do you think they were surprised at, at how this has gone down? What the, what do you think the front office is thinking? Are they going to re up in the draft? But that doesn't seem to stack yeah. up logically because because they're not receivers, rookie receivers, and Aaron Rodgers doesn't sound like a match made in heaven, right? Well, right, exactly. Um, and that's the experience part that I was alluding to. I mean, this yeah. is a receiver heavy draft. Um, so I would expect them to to be aggressive in that in that part of the draft. Um, but like we said, they're, they're rookies. It's just for a team that has been so close and last year losing to the at home to the Niners, not even scoring more than how many points did they score? Ten, I want to say mm-hmm. maybe if that I I, I I know they didn't even I don't think they scored a touchdown. I think the only touchdown came from a block punt. By the 49ers. Yeah, it was they they racked up 10. I'm just looking, I'm just trying to recap it myself. Yeah, they you're right. No, AJ Dillon. Yeah, AJ Dillon. Yeah, AJ Dillon. Yeah, AJ yeah, Dillon. Yeah. Okay, you're absolutely correct. Okay. But that's not a very uh impressive offensive performance. Mm. And the the past two NFC championship games, the, the offense wasn't really blowing anybody out. I mean, they got beat. Mm. So it's kind of backwards as to what yeah. they need in the playoffs. That's when it really matters. You can trust Aaron Rodgers to get it done. He's going to do what Aaron Rodgers does. I've, I would just have leaned on the side of putting more around him. If you're going to lose Devonte Adams. Okay. That's one thing, but then let's go grab two, two receivers mm-hmm. at least that have experience that have been in the league for a little bit. Somebody that Aaron Rodgers can, can build quick chemistry with which you're not going to get from, from rookie wide receivers. All right, let's look at, we'll, we'll come back to some of your good and bad teams uh, yeah. in a mo. but that's a nice way to roll into the receiver market, right? So let's yeah. start with those players that are still available because they could still, not many of them now, but you've got a number of names on that list they could look at. So out of the remaining free agents, can you see Green Bay going for any of those? AJ Green's out there. Uh, obviously Jarvis is the the big one, right? Jarvis, um I th- I'm hoping that Odell will, will get back into shape um, yeah. midway through the season. That could be a late, a late pickup. Mm. Um, Emmanuel Sanders is still out there. Uh, T.Y. Hilton, Sammy T. Watkins. Y. Sammy Watkins. Yeah, that could be an, Watkins you know, could be interesting. You know, for, for Green Bay, I could see that working. Right, right. Um, but they, but they. I feel like it, those are the type of players. If you 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 got to go get them, uh, and mm. and maybe they're not willing to put the price tag that these players are wanting. But at this time, you kind of, yeah. if you're the Packers, you kind of have to. Yeah. You mentioned New England going into last, or, you know, into the, the off season last year. And that was a marked shift in terms of, uh, in terms of game planning and, and roster building from Belichick going bigger right. in free agency. They pretty much ever had done before. And so I wonder whether the Packers will, because you're right, it's not their MO to, to spend big like that. And particularly if it's not an absolute target they want, but they might think, no, we're going to have to now. We're going to, we're going to have to just roll with it. Yeah. Yeah. Historically green Bay has not been the team that has been a big free agency pickup uh, mm. organization. Um, they like to draft guys and bring them in through the organization and, and bring them up. Um but I, I don't know when you when you lose Valdez Scantling and when you lose Devonte Adams and then when you lose a pass rusher and Zadarius Smith, right? Of you course. know yeah, yeah. You, you're losing three big three key pieces to your team in one off season. Mm. Uh, I think it's time to you know shift the narrative and and shift the thinking. So, in terms of receivers that are the deals that have been done, the one that has got the most criticism. 
has been the Christian Kirk move yeah. to Jacksonville because of the the, the amount, right? Because Kirk is a player that clearly is a very talented player, but he's not an elite, or at least hasn't demonstrated yet. He's an elite top tier receiver, but he's being paid that kind of money, a $72 right. million dollar deal over four years, 37 of that guaranteed, 18 on the first year. And to put that in context, or the average per year, I should say, to put that in context, you've got Valdez Scantling, that deal, he's, he's averaging 10 over the three-year uh, deal. You've got a player, we mentioned Cedric Wilson, 7.3 he's getting. Yeah. Uh, Byron Pringle, uh, who's obviously gone to Chicago, four, uh, four and change over the year. So 18 million. Yeah. Yeah. He's got a good agent. He's got a hell of an agent. (laughs) (laughs) He's got got, a really good agent. He's got Kirk Cousins' agent. (laughs) What's going on there? Is that just a classic case of the Jags are, um, you know, in a slightly desperate situation. Yeah. And so no, they've got to overpay and and realize they've done that, but have done it nevertheless. Or is it, uh, is there anything else to it? What do you, how do you, what do you make of it? What, what I think it is, and, and this happens, I would say, like every year, probably where, where there's a player that it's like, wait, let me read that again. They paid him what? <laughs> uh, right. But yeah. I think I think Jacksonville, unfortunately, has put themselves in a, in a situation to where they have to make a whole facelift change and the ideology of the whole franchise, because um, what people think of the Jacksonville Jaguars right now, it's not very good. They weren't successful. They haven't been successful since they made the AFC um, AFC championship game, which was right. Johnny Blake, Blake era, like team six years ago, 17. Yeah. Yeah. Years ago, something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, then, and then last year you have the debacle with Urban Meyer. Um, so this is a franchise that is, if not 32, the bottom, bottom five teams of the league, as far as perception and as far as winning. Um, so, they have to be aggressive. They were aggressive with the coaching hire. They were they were aggressive with going out and getting players to surround Trevor Lawrence with. They're just aggressive with changing the narrative of mm-hmm. the organization. And I think that's kind of what it is. And I think Christian Kirk was just the lucky soul um, that caught them at the right time. <laughs> that caught, really, that's, that, like, that's, that's all I think it is. Do you know when you hear those stories about people that are phoned up by the president, you know, like, you know, Obama or, you know, Biden phoned somebody up like, a, you know, uh, somebody's done a huge amount for society and it's like, you know, when you hold for the president and they think it's a prank and they hang up, you know? Yeah, it's Christian Kirk when his agent phoned and was told, yeah, they want to pay you 72 million over four years. Yeah, he was probably like, yeah, wait, yeah, wait, yeah, whatever. You said 7.2 or 72? Yeah, exactly. Did you say 72? The, um, the Jacksonville situation, just want to run off this tangent for a moment because the uh, story that ran in The Athletic last week, just deep diving into how dysfunctional that urban Meyer Jacksonville uh, Jacksonville world was and some of the the standout quotes from this piece um, Jason Jenkson Mike Sander the the journalist it's a brilliant piece so apparently Meyer kicked off at one point and told uh, the players that uh, on the back of uh, there was the context was an assignment to be missed during a preseason game, right? It's a preseason game. (laughs) And Maya uh, told the room that he'd cut every single one of them, every single player, if if that happened again. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And then he went on to say, and you know what would happen? He's quoted in the the athletic beats. You know what would happen if I cut you guys, you couldn't get a job paying more than $15 an hour. This is, this is Maya preseason. He's been in the building like five minutes preseason. Yeah, Michael, if you've been in that room, Shane, what I mean, talk me through what you, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, what have been going through my head is a this guy thinks it's still college, right? Um, right. He, <laughs> B, this guy thinks that he knows more about NFL football than we do. And I've been in this league for four or five, six years. Mm. I have more NFL experience that, than you do, sir. Um, mm. and C, if you're trying to get a team to get behind you. Uh, we're all grown men here, and this mm. is not the way you approach or speak to grown men. This is how you speak to to 18, 19, 20-year-olds in college, where he's from, Yeah, um, because you're trying to create men out of them. Um, but don't sit up there in front of the room during the preseason game and, and start shouting out um, false promises. I will cut every single one of you. No, you're not. Mm. No, no, you're not. You can't, can't follow do, through. You, you don't have, have the power. That to power. Do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. yeah. You don't have the power to do that. Um, so stop with all that and just coach us. How about mm. that? How about, how about you just coach us? Um, I heard stories about uh, Urban Meyer walking into position meetings and saying, Hey, if this room doesn't pick it up, I'm going to fire your coach. That's not the way to go about it. 
And if that is the, if that's what you, if that's the sentiment you want to send, you talk to that, you talk to that position coach privately. You don't say it in front of all the players that he's coaching. That's very disrespectful. Yeah, for sure. It's extremely disrespectful. And And that relationship with the best light with your player coach, that relationship's so tight, isn't it? You know, between the players that, you know, you're going to, I mean, you're going to risk alienating the players more than anything else, not, not getting this whole game plan of intimidation, which is the point, uh, the word, the definition that keeps coming up in in that athletic piece, which is very much Maya's MO, obviously. Right. Yeah. I mean, does that have, it's interesting what you say about college versus NFL. So that is that more prevalent, a coaching style in college that you're just scaring the players into submission. And, and yes. Well, I, I don't want to say scaring them into submission, but you're much harder. You coach them a lot harder because mm. they don't have the skills yet. When you when you've made it to the NFL and when you've been a vet in the NFL, three, four years in the NFL, you clearly have the skills to be there. Otherwise, mm. you wouldn't have made lasted that long. Um, so you clearly have the skills. So it's not necessarily, you know, scaring uh, the NFL talent into playing better. You just need to put them in better positions to be successful. You mm. see what they do well and don't it, look. I was a running back. I was very good um, at getting out of the backfield. Don't put me in a system where I'm running the ball 30 times a game. That's not that's not the best way for me to be successful. Yes, I would love to run the ball um, five, 10 times a game, but I'm not that type of player. And you have mm-hmm. to know that as a coach, you have to know which positions and which situations your players are best suited for. And it's up to you as the coach to put those players in that situation. If you have a running style offense, don't come out, don't show up and then we're going to run spread now. Well, you don't have the personnel for spread. Right. And if you're just going to, if you're just going to berate us and disrespect us, that's, that doesn't look good. You're dealing with grown men. Yes. Grown yeah, yeah. men, yeah. you know, and you need to approach the situation as such. Many of whom are on a better deal than, than even mine. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Mind you, Shane, if you paid for Urban Meyer, you'd be averaging about 250 yards a game based on, <laughs> based yeah. on his mathematics, right? Yeah. The other really exactly. quick, quick thing on this piece that, um, that made me laugh was um, the suggestion that he wasn't familiar, Maya, with quite a few NFL players, but yeah. not like the third string linebacker or the long snapper, but that yeah. he apparently didn't know Debo Samuel, Jamal Adams, and the quote that they've given, and this is this is um, a source, so you got to you take it with a pinch of salt. But the Athletic have reported it, and I wonder when I heard this quote whether Meyer was just taking the taking the bits and actually. But he said the quote is, "Who's this ninety nine guy on the Rams?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm hearing he might be a yeah. problem for us. Yeah, yeah. And uh, if I was a if I was a coach in that room, I'd be like, "Don't worry about it, coach. Don't worry, he won't be a problem." Nah. Right? Yeah, yeah. He'll be fine. Yeah. When when I saw that, it just screamed arrogance mm. um, from from Urban Meyer. Um, it screamed that he doesn't feel that he did he didn't need to do his homework and his research. He was so arrogant and, and overconfident in his style of coaching and, and in him as a coach and his past success in college, mm. as if that's going to just transfer over at the snap of your finger. Um, it, it's, it's just poor preparation and it's mm. a lot of arrogance in my, in my opinion. It's like there are shades of Ted Lasso, but like a kind of evil Ted Lasso. <laughs> right. yeah. At least Ted Lasso brought cookies every morning. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Lasso brought the good stuff every morning. All right. Yeah. So Christine Coe, we think, understandably, a bit of a head scratch. Although, look, it could be one of those deals that 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 comes good, that he is mm-hmm. so significant and have builds up a real connection with Trevor Lawrence. And so even, you know, even at that kind of money, you know, it, it kind of makes sense. So you've always, I guess, got to put, uh, put these deals in context and see how they play out. Cause at the time, and this happens a lot with trades as well. You think, well, that's a crazy trade. And actually it works out to be good business. So the, uh, I know Ollie's waiting for me to say, um, uh, Amari Cooper in Dallas because I always bring that. <laughs> so I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to go there. What other deals were done in terms of re- the receiving class that you liked? Uh, you mentioned you, you you mentioned Cedric Wilson to Miami. You liked or uh, any yeah. others that that jumped out of you? Uh, yeah, we mentioned we mentioned Tyree Kill. Um, mm-hmm. I really liked the Devonte Adams um, yeah. to Las Vegas. Um, I like that for multiple reasons. I like it because Josh McDaniels. I obviously I was coached under him for three seasons. Um, I have very high res- 
respect and regard for Josh McDaniels, not just as a coach, but his offensive mind, his offensive game planning and scheming. So him with Derek Carr, I think he can get the most out of Derek Carr um, of any coach that he's had um, mm. and the connection between Derek Carr and Devontae Adams playing in college, um, family, friends. Um, yeah. And I, and I think that that matters. I really do. Um, and I think, you know, Vegas made the playoffs last year with a crazy coaching situation, dealing with all types of off the field issues and, and just distractions and still being able to, to make a playoff run. Um, so I really like that. I think Devonte Adams is, is going to thrive. I think Hunter Renfro now is going to continue his success. I see Darren Waller stepping up um, and having a big year. And, and ultimately it's going to help Josh Jacobs in the run game. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I, you know, how, how are you going to commit to the box? If, if you have now two or three bona fide receivers out there on the field, you can't do it. You got to choose one or the other. And with, with the addition of Josh McDaniels and that coaching staff and, and their offensive scheme, um, I really think that, th- that, that was a very, very good hire uh, or excuse me, signing mm. by the Las Vegas Raiders. But also as, as you're suggesting a very good hire by the Raiders, just quickly on that as yeah. somebody who played with him, was that the best move for because McDonald's is, I guess, as a coordinator that kind of the pick pretty much of the opportunities, right? I mean, I know he yeah. had that odd situation with the Colts and things mm-hmm. didn't go well for him in Denver, but you know, rehabilitated his reputation significantly again. So it's probably fair to say he could have gone anywhere he wanted. So mm-hmm. Vegas, does it feel like it's the right move for him? Yes, um, I think I think it's the right move because. For him, because it's 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 in the AFC, but but you're not in the in the Patriots division. I know he has a ton of respect uh, for the Patriots and that organization. Um, you're in the AFC West, which is going to be the Wild West this mm. year. So you're 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 challenging yourself. Uh, and I know Coach McDaniel's loves a good challenge, and he loves proving that he can be in the toughest division against the toughest talent and be the best team in that. Um, so I think it's great. You know, um, you get to move out West. It's a little warmer in the winter time than, than in yeah. Boston. You know? uh, and so, and so, yeah, I'm excited. I, I'm really excited for, to see what this AFC West does this year. I mean, every single team, um, is, is ramping up, um, in a big way and uh, it's going to be an exciting division. What do you make of the Wilson to, to Denver move? I think it's exactly what Denver needed. Um, and I live in Denver, so <laughs> so you could imagine yeah, being like, yeah, what's the, oh, like, you could imagine. Town, right? yeah. yeah, you could. Yes. Oh, for sure. You could imagine the text that I got. Oh, we're going to the Super Bowl. Oh my God. I'm like, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, you're not. You're not going to the Super Bowl just yet. Slow down. But yeah, slow down, slow down. It was a great move. It was a great pickup and a great signing. And it was something that the people in Denver have been crying out for for since Peyton Manning left. Right. Get us a quarterback. Just get us a quarterback. Make us help us be successful or competitive. I think mm. that's what the Denver, the Denver faithful had just been been asking for is just get us a quarterback so that we can be competitive in the NFL, be competitive in our division and competitive in the AFC. And they have a quarterback that can do that. Now they better protect him. Um, but there's a lot of young talent on that team and especially in the skill positions. Yeah, a lot really. of young talent. And um, and so I think it's it's a good fit. I, I couldn't agree more. I love, I love the move. I love that team. And despite mm-hmm. the fact that, I mean, my God, that division is going to be so compelling uh, on, on McDonald's and the Raiders, I guess, because of that, because it's so competitive, there will be pressure on him, of course, because he's a better check lieutenant and mm-hmm. it went wrong before, but I, there's not a huge amount of pressure on him in some way, certainly this year, right? right? You know, that mm-hmm. in that division, I think that will play into their strengths. The Raiders could surprise a lot of people. I mean, that yeah. division is not as clear cut as I think some people are suggesting. I cannot wait to see that that playing out. We've gone way off script, so let's get back to <laughs> that's okay. I think you were telling you we were talking bad teams, right? You had two yeah. bad teams. You won with the Packers. So who's the yeah. other one? <sighs> Kansas City Chiefs. Oh wow, Kansas City Chiefs. It, it, this is the first time since Patrick Mahomes. Uh, showed us who he really was that there's a, I, I truly believe there's a chance that the chiefs don't make the playoffs. This wow. Year. That's a big I, cool. tr- I truly believe this. Um, and here's the reason mm. for me, when watching the chiefs last season, it really dawned on me in the playoffs outside of Tyreek Hill. There's no 
receive reliable receiver that can put up numbers week in and week out. Mm. They have a couple of guys who have speed. Um, they have a couple of guys who can run certain routes uh, successfully, but all in all Tyree kill was their receiver. He was that guy. And the drop off from Tyree kill to the next receiver was massive. In my opinion, as far as skill and as far as reliability, so they, they, they need to, I, I expect them to do something big. I know they got Juju. I yeah. understand that. Um, but I expect them to make big moves in, in this draft as far as acquiring receivers. That's what I think this, mm-hmm. this team needs offensively. Defensively, they have even more work to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I understand they signed Justin Reed, three years, 31 and a half million. He was with Houston Texans. So I didn't watch too much of Houston. So uh, we'll, we'll see how he fits into their scheme. Um, signed a quarter, a cornerback. Um, they signed Frank Clark, got Frank Clark back and they did get Marquez Valdez scantling offensively. I just feel like with the competition that they're going to face this year in the AFC West, the teams that the, the teams in the AFC West, the other three that have made big moves, um, Patrick Mahomes, I understand he's the goat or not the goat, but he's right now the best young player in the league. Um, they, they need, they're going to have to do more. Because this division, there might be two teams that make it out of this division if they're lucky Um, because they're going to beat up on each other. Kind of like the NFC West used to be um, those teams beat up on each other. And if they're lucky, you get two two teams into the playoffs. And unfortunately, if the Chiefs don't handle business on the road, it's going to be extremely tough. Mm, Really great points around and defensively. Tyron Matthew going as well is is a huge hole yeah. because of everything he uh, he brings as a, a defensive captain right and, the, yes. and very much the brains of that uh, of that defense he yeah. I mean where he might land is intriguing as well because I mean there's mm-hmm. no shortage of suitors for him and uh, he'd be a hell of a piece to add uh, yeah interesting I think I think Juju's a great signing I reckon he's going to have a big season you know what blows yeah. my mind about Juju he's 25 years old. <laughs> yeah. How yeah. is this possible that we're in a world where Juju Smith is right. 25 years old, but I, I think he could have a real bounce back here. I really like that mm-hmm. matchup, that receiver in an Andy Reid offense, I think is, is just a great, is a great fit. I think he could really, really bounce back and the expectations are low as well. So, mm-hmm. but I, you're right. I think defensively, they're going to have all kinds of, all kinds of issues again and, and in a division that's even tougher. Okay. So Packers chiefs, uh, not great shakes. What about another team that you think has had a, Good set of business over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it uh, in the AFC West, and and I really like what the Chargers have done. Right. Um, I feel like so when I, the reason why I picked the Chargers is they haven't made the amount of moves as say the Miami Dolphins or, or other teams who have just completely refaced their personnel. Um, but keeping Mike Williams, signing J.C. Jackson. Um, yes. And then, and then you, you traded for Khalil Mack. Now, the reason why I think those three, those three players, um, bringing those three players in is huge is because the chargers lost so many games last year in the fourth quarter, in the last two minutes, uh, by one score, those players are going to be able to help in changing that tide into winning those games by one score instead of losing those games by one score. They were in every single game that they played and it came down to a fourth quarter blunder on the, on the defensive side or, or maybe a bad call offensively or a drop pass or not being able to move the chains in the, four, in the beginning of the fourth quarter, not necessarily mm-hmm. the end. But what those three players that I've at that, that they, well, they kept Mike Williams and they added JC Jackson, and Khalil Mack, those players are going to make plays for you in crunch time. Mm-hmm. Khalil Mack is going to show up in the fourth quarter. JC Jackson is going to show up for you in the fourth quarter. Cause that's what he did for the Patriots. That's what Khalil Mack has done his entire career. So I think, I really think that those three moves that the chargers made are going to help them win those close games, which they lost a year ago. It's a great argument. It's a, it's a really good point that I don't think I've heard made elsewhere. That lack of steel in, in the team just two additional pieces in the retention of one that are all about that for sure. It's yet so many games on a, on a knife edge as they often are in, in the NFL. And they were maybe the poster boys for that. Just 
oh, Chargers-esque yes. <laughs> way of somehow finding a way to lose games when, yep. Uh, yep. when they, they had him locked in. Love that. Uh, other teams that you think have had a, a good free agency? You know, I, I really, I, I like certain signings. So like, mm. I, I really like Allen Robinson to the Rams. Um, I, I think that was good. That, that was a good pickup. I like Zadarius Smith to the Vikings. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also picked up Jordan Hicks, who I think still has some life left in him. Um, I like uh, New Orleans Saints signing Jameis, keeping Jameis Winston on board. Um yeah, yeah Jamie, that is an know. interesting one, isn't it? Because, you know, uh, they obviously wanted Taysom Hill to work. The amount of money they paid him as a, as a starting quarterback, and he clearly yeah. isn't able to do that. And I think Jameis with the injury and everything else, just mm-hmm. a lot was forgotten about how much he had improved yes. year on year, just in terms of his smarts, right? And and it's yeah. not just, I think, as straightforward as well, his, his protection was better. I mean, obviously that was the thing that everybody cites. Well, you, that crazy 30-30 season and, and that was always going to get better under, under Sean Payton. But mm-hmm. everything about Winston in terms of the last couple of years, taking that deal in New Orleans, which was next to nothing for what, you know, the, the kind of level of trajectory quarterback we thought he'd be, doing right. that to learn, to sit, to watch, then get the gig, do what's asked of him. I yeah. think he's definitely a quarterback that has gone of everybody's radar compared to so many others that could be sounds like uh, who's that agreeing with me in the background <laughs> that, that's duke that's my duke dog grab, so, duke, so, yeah somebody's at the door so yeah love the love the james business i think it's yes. one of those deals that you know we're looking at value and context could turn out to be be smart business on that note let's talk about the running back market because not much is happening, right? I mean, I know the standout deal was was the the Bucks re-upping Fournette um, and, and Chase Edmonds. We loved as well. We both mm-hmm. love that deal uh, for all kinds of reasons. Cordarrelle uh, listed as a running back, but let's face it, he's every single position on the exactly. Yep. <laughs> but we'll call him a running back. Uh, he signed a, a two year deal for for ten million, so good mm-hmm. year on year. But look look at these numbers. Remember ten minutes ago, I was talking about the receivers. So the, the highest paid individual contract is Fournette's which averages seven a year. Chase Edmonds is at six a year, quarter L five. JD McKissick signed a deal, a re-up with Washington for three and a half. So you're getting, you're joining the dots here, I'm sure. This is a significant, uh, significant fall down from what receivers are getting paid. And it's yeah. the something you and I have chatted about plenty of times over the last couple of years. The running back position is becoming increasingly marginalized, isn't it, in terms of the the value that that's appropriated? Yeah, it, it is, um, and it's unfortunate. But really, since since the big signing, who's the last running back um, to really sign a big contract? Well, Zeke signed a massive contract, I guess. But do you mean outside of those elite? I guess that's the question. You got the you know, McCaffrey yeah. elite players that are always mm-hmm. going to get big bucks, but then it's that. The, the you know relatively speaking that second tier of play like yeah. the Christian Kirk deal just wouldn't happen with a running back right 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 exactly I mean Alvin Kamara Kamara uh, yeah. Kamara yeah he he got so but it's just becoming fewer and far between it and I think the reason is is because teams um, are now starting to move away from just a, a single back a one back system mm. where there's one back pri- primary primarily getting all of the touches, all of the carries. And I think it's because running backs are just not being able to stay healthy enough. And to be honest with you, when I was playing, it it even made more sense to have two, maybe three backs, some games, because you want to be able to stay fresh. And and the hardest thing in the NFL is staying healthy for the, for the entirety of the regular season. That is Mm. bar none, the hardest thing in the NFL. So I think it's a good idea to have multiple backs to keep guys fresh, to, to throw curveballs at defenses, different speed changes, different um, abilities from different backs. So I think that that might have something to do with it. Also, this is a very uh, deep uh, running back draft. Mm. And I'm curious how much that is going into not signing a guy that's going to cost that's going to cost me more money as opposed to using the guys that are in this draft from the college side that I can pay a minimum a minimum salary to and get um, immense productivity from. Mm. Um, I cover college football during the season primarily, um, and this is I'm excited about this draft for the running backs. There are not a lot of big names, but there's a lot of big talent. 
Mm. Um, Give us some names we should be looking out for. So Kenneth Walker, Michigan State, he's probably number one in my book. Uh, Brees Hall from Iowa State. He's a very good back. Um, Let's see. I like uh, Zamir White from Georgia. I Mm. love Rashad White from Arizona State. Rashad White, because I primarily covered the West Coast, Pac-12. Rashad White was at Arizona State. He's probably about 6'1", 6'2", about 220. Mm. But he does everything. He's got speed. He blocks. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He can run screens. He can run complex routes. They put him every single position on the field. They put him in the slot. They put him out wide. And at that frame, at that size, being able to keep up with all the play calls, being able to be in the right position and being able to be uh, reliable, that's huge. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. And so I think he is kind of like my, my, my hidden back. He might fall mm. a little bit, but I sleep. Yes. Kind of like Jonathan Taylor. Right. Jonathan okay. Taylor had immense productivity in college football. He kind of fell a little bit in the draft because people were unsure about his speed, mm. but look at him two years later. I mean, he, he has outplayed his contract by a large margin. Right. And, and that's your that's, point, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. If, you're get yes. A, if you get a player like that, you strike gold. And I mean, mm. let alone a, a serviceable or capable starter but somebody that can knock it out of the park and become an elite top five positional player in the first couple of years then you're really really quids in why is that though so why do you think that um that there is this sense that there is value with running backs in the draft which we we hear more and more and we see more and more that Mm -hmm. will get value even even when you're looking at draft strategy and, and running backs rarely go in the first round now for the same reason you know we'll get there's strength and depth will get bad. Is it just a position that there is strength and depth to your point, because there is a running back by committee in most instances now. So yeah. if you're looking at a player and scouting a player and thinking, well, he's got to do this particular role that it's easier to find him and him and him, as opposed to a three down back, you know, back it back in the day, is it down to that? Or is, is there something else going on? You know, I, I look at it two ways. One, if you look at thir- all 32 teams in the NFL, every single th- every single team has one receiver that's their mm-hmm. primary receiver. That's not the case for running backs. That you know you have you have your Aaron Jones who even splits time with AJ Dillon, right? But Aaron Jones got a big co- contract. But it's the Alvin Kamara's of the world. It's it's the Christian McCaffrey's when he's healthy. But there's yeah. few and far between teams that have that one guy. Even at Zeke the, and then the, maybe injuries. Even Zeke was spending quite a lot of time, wasn't he? Yes, so, yeah. exactly. With Tony Pollard. And yeah. So the way I kind of look at it, if I break it down an analogy here for you, mm. if every every running back has a health meter, right? for their whole career and every hit that, that, that running back takes the health meter drops a little bit and every, so everyone's health meter is a little different. So it might Mm -hmm. take, it might take one player 50 hits for it to drop a point. It Mm -hmm. might take other players five hits for it to drop a point, but because of the physicality of the position, it's a lot harder to stay healthy and it's a lot harder to stay available. Um, And also there's backs, Backs are asked to block, so you have to know protections. You have to be able to run routes now, so you have to know route plan, route patterns and, and route schemes. Um, and then you got to run the ball strong. So you're, they're asking you to do a lot, and you probably got to play special teams. Mm. So running backs are on the field a lot, um, and I think it just takes a toll because because not many running backs are 6'3", 250 pounds mm-hmm. and, can, and can take all that punishment. Mm-hmm. Um, speed is more important for a running back than size. And so I think it's just a culmination of all those factors to where teams are devaluing the position unless you have that Alvin Kamara. Yeah, the, the, that X factor kind of play. Yeah, fascinating. Hey, listen, man, before we let you go, because I know you got to got to hit that driving range (laughs) before we let you get there the i've got to ask you man because it's the first show we've done since since the oscars what's your perspective on how that went is that the craziest (laughs) is that the craziest thing you have (laughs) yeah it's out there i mean i want to give you context right because obviously the oscars going on overnight where we are right so i got woken up uh by one of our cats i think i was trying to think it was one of my kids or one of my cats but one of my, one of my cats like kind of five in the morning and it jumped on my head or something and then of course as cats do uh then just disappears off and goes to sleep and you're like wide awake so <laughs> we get back to sleep so i put a podcast on was just flicking through twitter 
and I saw what was trending and watched the footage. <laughs> and of course, I think like everybody out there, everyone at home that saw it as well, thought, oh, Will Smith's doing a, Chris Rock, they're doing a bit. He's just messing around. Chris Rock yeah. definitely thought that was happening. Yeah. And then even when he walked off the stage, it was like, yeah, okay, that was all just shtick. And everyone in the room thought it was. And yeah. then, because I was watching the uncensored bit, the Australian footage is like, yeah. oh my God, what yeah. is happening? Yeah. Man, how did it play out? What did he make? <laughs> <it do? laughs> all right. So uh, first of all, I, I was, well, I know I hate award shows, but mm-hmm. um, I, I, but I thought that the opening and the way that the jokes that, that three ladies were presenting, yeah. um, it was funny. So it was captivating. So I, so I was like, you know what, I'll stick around for a little bit longer. And then that happened. And I was, first of all, I was like, okay, that was real. But then I was like, wait, was it real? Yeah. Was it planned? Did they plan that? So when but you're then, watching on the American broadcast, did you see, did they, they cut away, right? So they cut, so, yeah, they cut away and it, it sounded like they killed the mics. They killed mm-hmm. like Chris Rock's mic. Um, but then uh-huh. you can kind of hear like Will Smith yelling from the, from his seat. And right. you're like, what, what did he say? So then of course I go to Twitter and, and Twitter's, go. <laughs> Twitter's got all the answers. So then I see the yeah. video of him yelling. You can, you can read his lips. And I was like, Okay, I, I don't think that I don't think that was I don't think yeah. that was staged. Like I think that was really. No, and sure. then I did further research, and I guess back in 2016, Chris Rock had another joke about Will and Jada. So maybe there yeah. was some bad <laughs> yeah. blood, you know? That was that was was never that a resolved. Rihanna joke that we can't say on the show? Basically. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, 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 I remember that joke. Yeah. Are you, exactly. So what are you? Are you Team Rock? Or are you Team Smith on this one? Um, I'm Team. Um, if you're gonna fight. Don't do it on on the Oscar stage anymore. <laughs> yeah. Let's Thank do that backstage. Right? Yeah, let's do yeah. that behind scenes. But let's not do it when the whole world is watching and we have two of the most prominent American black figures uh, slapping each other on stage. Yeah. We, we we probably just shouldn't do that anymore. I mean, uh, you know, I, I I you know I I I feel for Will. Like I, I know it's hard, difficult to justify. In many respects, it's difficult to justify. I feel for Will Smith, who's a, such a brilliant performer. He's given us all so much joy on the biggest night of his professional life. He lost his he lost his cool in that yeah. way. I have a huge amount of respect for Chris Rock as a pro. The way he just yes. rolled. That. So my God, he handled yeah. that one. Apparently, yeah, you know really what he said did. backstage as well? He had a line where he said, uh, he was kind of chilled about it and said, uh, look, come on, that's the only time in my life I'm going to be hit by my Muhammad Ali and, <laughs> and, and not have a scratch on my face. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Cracking gags about it minutes after. Love rock. Uh, yeah. But that was, yeah, sensational stuff. Listen, good to see you, man. Enjoy yourself. Uh, come and see us soon, bro. Always love your insight. Absolutely. Anytime you know that. I always enjoy sitting down and talking football with you guys. So just let me know. Have a great week, though. Thanks, man. You too. Take care, Shane. All right. Lovely stuff from Shane. He will be back very soon. You can count on that. So will we. We're going to drop a very special college days later on this week. Uh, So keep your eyes peeled for that one. Lots of good stuff coming your way down the pod channel over the coming weeks and lots more on social media as well. Videos from the shows too. So at the NC shows, that's how you follow us at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, fire your questions in. Even if we haven't done a call out for them for the mailbag, just put them on there because we'll see them and we'll try and uh, try and wheel them in uh, as and when we can with all the episodes we've got coming up. So uh, if you haven't already, make sure you follow us on those channels and subscribe to us on whichever pod platform you listen to us on that way you won't miss an episode cheers gang see you next time sports social podcast network